Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. These are the Beatitudes. And Jesus opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this is what we are looking at today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you because we want to be made in the image of your Son, Christ, who exhibited all of these beatitudes in in perfect beautiness who displayed them in his life. And Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you might work in our hearts this morning to be made in the image of Christ, that we might be more meek in our life. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you may remember, as Manuel was preaching uh, last week, we've been going through the Beatitudes. And one of the things that we know about the the Beatitudes is is that these are the distinguishing marks of a believer. They are, they are marks that set us apart from the rest of the world in many ways. They are true of the first century Christians. They are true of all of us Christians here. They are true of Christians in China. They are true of all Christians at all times throughout the world. This is one of the things, these identifiers that unite us together are these Beatitudes. They also are descriptive then of Christians that are those who are in the kingdom of God. They describe us as Christians. As, he, as Manuel has said, they are, they are not prescriptive, but they are descriptive. That is, they don't tell us, they're not a list telling us how to become a Christian. Rather, they are a portrait of one who is a Christian because they are the perfect portrait of Christ himself. And one thing that we also see in these Beatitudes is that there is in some ways a logical progression in the Beatitudes. There is the poor in spirit, that is, those who are dependent upon God, who understand that they are spiritually needy, that they cannot protect and save themselves. They are the ones who understand their sin and therefore they mourn over it. And those who mourn over their sin and mourn over the sin of the world then become are the ones who are meek. Earlier this week, Matheson, my wife, was asking me, so what is meekness? And I said to her, well, that is the question. And she said, yes, that's my question. I'm asking it. Tell me what is meekness. And uh, in Matthew, the word meekness is used three times. And the other two times in the English, the way it is translated from the Greek word for meek it is, often, it is translated gentle, and it is translated as humble. And so those are sometimes synonymous to, to meekness, but they're not exactly the same things, even though sometimes it is translated that way. But it's easier in some ways to describe meekness than to give an exact definition of it. One way people have talked about it, it's meekness can be more difficult in some ways because it is oftentimes in relation to other people. It's when other people sometimes, when they put the spotlight upon you, when they put their, when you notice, when they notice sin in your life and how you relate to it. 
sometimes we can understand it by examples of what it is not or the failure of meekness. One time when I was in high school, the Lord was starting to work in my life, and I started to understand, in a way, my spiritual hypocrisy, my morality that I was leaning upon, my, my attempts to become a good person, and I was growing aware of my sin, but I could not deal with it by myself. And that made me mourn. I was mourning over my sin, that I was, couldn't get out of it, I couldn't deal with it. And I remember as I was mourning and I was being aware of my spiritual dependency upon Christ, that I was playing video games with one of my friends. We're playing video games at my house. And I'm starting to be a really poor sport. And I start cheating. And just being a really bad sport. And my friend, my neighbor, who is not a Christian, who's not a Christian, who even was, uh, you know, not a great guy, he, he said to me, Jeff, you are being such a hypocrite. You see, I knew that I was a hypocrite. I knew I was being a hypocrite. But when my friend pointed it out to me, I, that just it enraged me inside. And so I did what any guy would have done there. I picked him up, I grabbed him, and I said, I'll show you a hypocrite. So I grabbed him, and I kicked him out of my house and said, there's a hypocrite for you. And I yelled at him. You see, I knew I was a hypocrite. And I was mourning over my hypocrisy. But then when somebody else noticed it as well and pointed it out, that was a failure of my meekness. When I was confronted with my sin by someone else, I became angry and proud about it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, I am aware when I am honest with myself of the sin and evil that are within me and that drag me down. And I'm ready to face these things. But how much more difficult it is to allow other people to say things like that about me. I instinctively resent it. I say of myself that I am a sinner. But I do not like anybody else to say that I am a sinner. And that is the principle introduced with meekness. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones is saying. See, a a meek person responds when somebody points out their sin and their character flaws. They respond without getting defensive and throwing people out of their house. They receive it. And this is very difficult when other people recognize these things and how to respond to them. It's especially difficult when the criticism may be wrong. And this is where we see some biblical examples of meekness describing it. The main person that we see in the Old Testament who is described as meek is Moses. In Numbers 12, verses 3, it says this, Now the man Moses was very meek. He was more meek than all people who were on the face of the earth. Moses is described as a meek person, and he is an example for us of meekness. Think about him. For 40 years, Moses lived in Egypt. He received the best education. He had the wisdom, the power, and all the possibilities that being in Egyptian royalty afforded him. Then 40 years later, you know, he spent 40 the next years out in the wilderness following sheep around, unlearning that, seeing some of his foolishness, the powerlessness, and that he was going nowhere. In some ways, those 40 years in the wilderness taught him meekness. 
And in Numbers 12, the situation that talks about Moses being meek, this is what happens. Aaron and Miriam, who are his brother and sister, they start criticizing Moses. They say, we don't like the choice of wife that Moses picked. We don't like his wife very much. And by the way, the Lord speaks to us too. Who is this guy Moses? And before Moses can do anything, Moses, God brings them together, Moses, Aram, and Miriam, and, and God deals with it. Moses leaves it in God's hands. God brings them to the tabernacle. He answers them. Miriam gets leprosy. And this is what Moses does. He prays for his sister Moses on, his, on her behalf. He prays for the one who had just criticized him. The one who had uh, been speaking against him. See, that is a picture of meekness right here. The way I would describe meekness is that meekness, people who are meek, they don't feel a need to prove or to protect themselves because they know that they are approved by God Himself and they entrust themselves to Him. To the meek people, they don't need to prove anything. They don't need to protect themselves. Moses didn't feel like he needed to protect himself here because he knew that he was the one who was approved by God and he entrusted himself to Him. And the perfect example that we see of this kind of meekness is Jesus Himself in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 11, which we are looking at this morning, Jesus, His own self-description, He says, I am meek and lowly in heart. The ESV translates it gentle, but the term is meek. He says, I am meek and lowly in heart. This is the way that Jesus Himself describes Himself. It's interesting because you never see any superhero movies where anybody's superhero is that of meekness. Do you? No. There's no wrestlers in, you know, any kind of wrestling where you'd say, over here in this corner, we have the master of meekness. Doesn't it, it, you don't see that. And when you go to a job interview and to describe yourself, what are some of your main characteristics that are your strength? Nobody says in the job interview, I'm a lowly in heart person and I am meek. We don't typically do that, but it's interesting because Jesus here, when he describes himself, he says that I am meek, I am lowly in heart. And the picture that we see when, when Jesus describes himself later, uh, when he's described later in Matthew, is when he's coming into Jerusalem. When he's coming the last week of his life, on the donkey, it says he came humble, he came meek on a donkey, mounted on a donkey, facing the cross. You see strength there in him. You see the strength and the first and then example in first Peter chapter two, verses twenty-three. Peter says that the cross is an example of Christ's meekness to us in a sense. He says, When Christ was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten back, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
We see it in Christ Himself, who calls Himself meek. See, Jesus, He didn't need to prove. He didn't need to protect Himself. He didn't need to defend Himself because He knew that He was approved by God. He knew that He was approved by God and He trusted in the will of God. And so He entrusted Himself to God. And there we see the meekness of Christ. And that He even prayed for those who were persecuting Him. And then, of course, the example we see of the character, the conduct, the way a a meek person acts. He, He explains it later in Matthew 5. He says this, you know, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. This is This is Peter describing meekness in action. Think about it this way. When somebody insults you on Facebook or in person, when they insult you, they attack you, they attack your person, they attack your character. How do you respond? If you respond by insulting them, attacking them, demeaning them back online or however... That's a failure of meekness. But a meek person, when they are attacked, when they are attacked against who they are, they do not respond in kind. They have strength because they don't need to prove or protect themselves because they know that they entrust themselves to God. But we know that we as Christians oftentimes fail at meekness. We fail at this Very oftentimes, even though we may desire meekness and it's growing in us, we still oftentimes struggle with it. You think of uh, the Protestant reformer 500 years ago, Martin Luther. There's a whole website called uh, the Martin Luther Insult Generator. And in the Martin Luther Insult Generator, it's this website that catalogs a number of his actual insults that he he, uh, paid to some of his opponents. So there's this button that you say, click insult, and it comes out with one of his insults that he, he made against all of his opponents. He was not a, a meek person. Here's an example of one of his, his retorts. He said, you say, what comes out of my, our mouth must be kept. I hear it. What mouth do you mean? The one from which the farts come? You can keep that yourself. Or he criticized some of his other opponents. He said, you seem to me to be a real masterpiece of the devil's art. So you see, it is so easy when we find opponents in this world who may be strong and powerful who are against us to insult them, to attack them back. This is a way in which meekness seems so unnatural to us. And then what's even interesting is that the, the result of meekness is perhaps even more unnatural to us. It is that those who are meek inherit the earth. As Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. What does that mean? Inheriting the earth. You see, the, the Beatitudes are oftentimes, they seem very paradoxical. The poor in the spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It seems very paradoxical. 
I mean, maybe what would make sense with the meekness is, blessed are the meek, for they shall lead and live a really quiet, peaceful life. That would make more sense. But no, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is hard for us, because we live in a world that says it's a dog-eat-dog world. If you come across a rabid chihuahua, you better be a rabid pit bull. You know, we are in a world that says, if somebody is strong, then you need to assert yourself. Express yourself, your powers, your abilities. If you do that, you will succeed. you got to be proud. And that's how you will succeed. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The answer to that is that Christ's kingdom, which is both here and yet to come, is already and yet to come, it turns upside down the present people who are proud and the present people who are meek. It turns it straight upside down. And so we can say about those who are presently proud in this world that they have it all. They may have it all, but at the end they possess nothing. Why? Why would those who are in possession of all things, the the rich and the powerful and the proud, why would we say that maybe they have everything, but at the same time they possess nothing? C.S. Lewis talks about this problem, and it's because the... The proud, they may say, they may have everything, but they will never say, I have it all. They will never say that I am content with what I have now. You see, those who have it all now are oftentimes proud. And C.S. Lewis says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something. It only gets pleasure out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. You see, the proud may have everything, but they are never going to be content. They may have it all, but they do not have it because they cannot rest in it and enjoy it and appreciate it. They may possess everything, but not be content. Because the thing is, there's always going to be somebody who has more than you, who has more, who possesses more of the land, whatever that is. And if not, there's somebody else who's coming up pretty quickly behind you who's going to take it from you. So the proud, they may have it all, but they cannot actually enjoy it and possess it and be satisfied with it. This is the vanity, I think, in many ways described in the book of Ecclesiastes. But then you took on the opposite. You look at those who are meek, that they may have nothing, but yet possess everything. As Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 10, he says that we, are, we have nothing. They are as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Why? Right now, to the meek who have nothing, yet possess everything. It is because God is our satisfaction. God is our possession. And as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, don't be envious, don't be jealous about other people 
Because everything is yours. He says, the world, life, death, the present, the future is yours. Moreover, you are Christ's. You belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. You see, the meek now, though they possess nothing, maybe, they have nothing, but we possess everything because we are possessed by God Himself, by Christ. And so we are satisfied. And I think this is what it means in the present world to inherit the land, the earth right now. Is that as having nothing, yet we possess all things. But also if you look at this beatitude, clearly we we understand that there is a future reference to it. He says, blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a future tense idea, future verb. It's, It's something that is going to happen. It's talking about the coming return of Christ the King Himself. And it is at that time when we who are Christ, who are meek, shall fully inherit the earth. Imagine it this way. Imagine what it would be like if there was this thing called the End of the World Awards with Jesus as MC. And the End of the World Awards. It's a who's who in the new heavens and the new earth. And at this, Jesus is emceeing at the World Theater. There's important politicians, there's philanthropists, even really significant Christians that we know of. And the word comes up, those who are the inheritors of the earth. And before it's announced, who is the recipient of this award? Somebody from up front. Before it's announced, Jesus is about to give it. Somebody comes up and they stands up and they take, take the award and they say, I would like to thank all of the little people who made this possible. And Jesus says, that wasn't for you. Go to the back. That award's not for you, it's for somebody else. And he calls somebody from the far back and says, this award was for so-and-so, somebody who we never knew. Imagine how shameful and humiliating that would feel to think that you are the one, you who are proud in this world, proud and so successful in these things, to say, this is the award for me. You see, Jesus gives an example of this, the shame and the humiliation of thinking right now that we are the recipients of that, uh, that we are the inheritors of the world, these people. He says in Luke 14, if you bring... Bring it up, the the verse. This is Jesus' description of it. Of what it means in the future. In verse 8 of Luke 14, he says, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
You see, what appears enviable and glorious now in this world will be turned upside down. Those who make themselves exalted in this world this time, when Christ returns, will be made low, is what he's saying. Because Christ himself came low and will one day return exalted. And this is why Christ says that the humble will be exalted and that the meek will inherit the earth of the day when he returns. But oftentimes we get starstruck. Even us as Christians, we sometimes make celebrity pastors thinking that these are the ones who are really important in the kingdom of God. Um, One time, uh, Tim Keller, who is probably one of the most famous Christians, um, famous pastor, he was an alumni of the seminary that I went to, and he came to our seminary and he was preaching. And after he preached, people were following him with their phones and saying, they took a phone out and started taking a video saying, I'm following Tim Keller! I'm walking behind Tim Keller! And even I got, you know, I met him and I shook his hand. And for a minute, I'm like, I just shook Tim Keller's hand. You see, it's so easy for us today to think these are the people who are going to be so important. These are the ones who are so significant and will be so significant. But God says the ones who inherit the earth, who will inherit the earth, are the meek. We forget that meekness is a mark of a Christian and that it is something to cultivate. And so lastly, we'll look at how we cultivate, cultivating this meekness that we have. So I want you to consider three things about how we cultivating this meekness. And we'll look at it in Matthew chapter 11. One of the first things that I, I think that, that as we consider cultivating our meekness is that we must consider our calling. Consider how it is that you came to be a Christian. Matthew chapter uh, 11 verses 25 says this. Matthew 11:25 11, through 27 he says, "At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You see, Jesus is saying right here that if you and I are Christians, it is only because Christ has revealed God to us. So our, the fact that we are Christians, the fact that we follow God, the fact that we know Him is not something that we can ever be proud of, not something that we can claim as, as a strength of our own. We cannot say, I was more spiritual, I was more wise, I was more understanding, therefore I am a Christian. It's in exactly the opposite. Jesus says, no, it is not because you were wise or because you were understanding. Rather, you are a Christian because you were a child. Nothing to your name, nothing to claim, no smarts. Rather, our calling, the fact that we are Christian, only proves the grace of God. 
Awe, he says, for such was your gracious will. You see, our calling, our election that we are Christians is not a source of pride. It is only of the grace of God. It is something that we cannot claim, that we were not wise, we were not smarter, we were not more spiritual. It's of His grace. And yet we know in our life that pride can be so deceptive. Even in our Christian life, it, it comes in and we get proud of our own spirituality oftentimes. We get proud of being moral. We get proud of being Christians. This pride hides in caves of our heart. But as we understand that we are a Christian only by the grace of God, that He called us, He revealed it to us, this should work in our hearts meekness. As was read from Colossians 3.12 earlier, that one of the fruits of understanding that it is that you were elect by God, that you were chosen because Christ revealed it to you, one of those fruits is meekness. In Colossians it says, as God's chosen ones who are holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness. You see, we who are chosen by God, we who are beloved, the fruit of this ought to be in our life meekness, humility, compassion. Because we are but a child. And we should let this sink into our hearts. Another thing about cultivating meekness is that we must let the submit to the Word of God. You see, somebody who is meek is a teachable person. They submit to the Word of God. They submit to it. They are teachable. James 1, verses 21 says that we ought to receive with meekness the implanted Word of God. And this is contrasted with the very verse before that says to not to be quick to anger with the anger of man. Not to be defensive. It's this posture of teachableness from God's Word. There are family members in my family, distant, distant, distant family, who whenever they start talking with each other, they show themselves completely unteachable by each other. So they start talking, and then it starts quickly escalating into an argument. And they say, always it goes down to this, I'm just saying. And then the other person says, but I'm just saying. No, 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 you just need to listen. But I'm just saying this. And they stop listening to each other. And if we come to the Scriptures and we just say to the Scriptures, I understand that's what it's saying, but I'm just saying something different. We show ourselves not to be teachable. And somebody who is meek is teachable. Let the Spirit work in you, submitting to the Word of God. For it will grow into your hearts. It will flourish and it will, the fruit of the Spirit of meekness will grow in you. Because Jesus here in Matthew 11, He Himself says, Come to Me, all who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am lowly, I am meek. Come, take, take my yoke upon you, on me, and learn from me. 
See, we must learn from Jesus, submitting to His Word. And finally, cultivating meekness, we come, is coming to the man of meekness himself. For us to become more meek as Christians, we have to keep coming to the man who is himself the embodiment of meekness. He says, come to me. Take my yoke, my burden upon you, for I am meek and I am lowly in heart. You see, Christ is lowly. He is meek because He went to the cross for our sin when He did not have to. He went low in the grave for our sin. He was mocked for our sin and He did not mock back. He took our sin upon Him. And so we must keep coming to Him. We who are Christians, keep coming to Jesus with our struggles. Keep coming to Him with our pride. You see, our pride is an exhausting burden. Pride is such an exhausting burden. It steals our heart. It steals away contentment. It it will wear you out. It wears us out. And if you never come, your pride will consume you forever. Jesus says, give me your sin. Give me your pride. If you come to the meek man of Jesus himself, and if you keep coming, the reward is that he will give you rest. He says it twice. He says, come to me. I will give you rest. Twice he promises it. He will take the burden of our spiritual pride. He will take the burden of our sinful pride off of us. And He will make us meek because He will give us rest. Think about it. What kind of person, what kind of person will you confide in with your deep, dark sin? What kind of person will you confide in with your struggles, with your sin? Definitely not a proud person. Because a proud person, you cannot trust them. A proud person isn't really interested in you and in your life. They will gloat over you when you come to them. They say, yeah, it's about time you came to me. And they will use the things you tell them against you. But Jesus is the man who is meek. He is approachable. He is interested and He cares for you. He will, not reject, he will not reject you. He will not reject us. He does not use our sin against us. He took it on the cross and He buried it. And He says that He will give us rest. And for us, as we keep coming to Jesus with our pride, we will find in ourselves a rested heart. And when we have a heart that rests in Jesus, then we find that He gives us a heart that is meek. So let us pray. Lord God, we pray that You would give us strength to submit to Your will in our life when it is difficult, when it is easy. That we might respond in a way that reflects the way You responded, Lord. And Lord God, I pray that you would help each of us to come to you, to come to you with our pride, to come to you 
with our spiritual pride, to come to you with our self-importance, that you might take it from us and that you might give us your rest, you, Lord Jesus, who are so meek. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.